Welcome to the Crispin Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Crispin. Topics on today's episode include buy-downs and adjustable rate programs, my interview with Craig Crabtree, SVP and GM of Equifax Mortgage and Housing on how Equifax interacts with the mortgage industry on more levels than you think, and takeaways from the latest Fed rate hike. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Candor Technology, home of the one-touch underwrite, supporting lenders from point-of-sale to post-close QC to reduce repurchase risk, increase underwriter productivity by 400%, and decrease turn times by 10 days. Certainly, buy-downs and adjustable rate programs are legitimate tools that loan officers can offer to potential clients. Although with the current yield on the U.S. two-year near 4.70% and the 10-year near 4.20%, the attractiveness of arms is questionable. A study done last week by Tom LaMalfa during the recent MBA annual conference gives us an idea of how much each lender's volume consisted of arm production, how important buy-downs were this year, and are there enough arm investors in the market today? The study says that arm production accounted for a median of 7%, with a mean of 14%, a mode of 6%, and a range of 0 to 70%. As for buy-downs, the mean was pushing 5%, the median was 4%. Concerning the number of arm investors, only 5 lenders said there were enough, compared to 24 who thought there were too few. With the Federal Open Market Committee bringing the overnight rate to a range of 3.75% to 4%, the difference between fixed and adjustable rates is in flux. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Craig Crabtree, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Mortgage and Housing at Equifax. He spent three decades in the mortgage industry with his experience spanning origination, servicing, loss mitigation, and capital markets. Mr. Crabtree has leveraged his strong industry background to create new solutions for the evolving mortgage, real estate, and rental industries, anticipating the challenges caused by increased digitization and helping customers to drive growth in the post-COVID economy. So I wanted to start by talking about Equifax in general. And when people think of Equifax, they think of it as a credit, credit reporting agency. But I wanted to talk about Equifax's intersection with the mortgage business and and kind of their initiatives and, and how they're looking to promote home, home affordability and, and uh, get more borrowers and homes and that sort of thing. So if you could give me kind of the elevator pitch about what's going on at Equifax as it pertains to the mortgage space, that'd be fantastic. Sure, absolutely. And Robbie, great to be with you today. So um, let's kind of start from the top down. Equifax is a global data and um, analytics uh, company, right? Over $5 billion in, in revenue. And the traditional credit bureau that we're known from brand standpoint, since we've been a bureau for over 100, 100 years, that credit type revenue is about 60% of our overall revenue. So there's actually another dimension, huge dimensions of data. And, you know, our business is to being the trusted steward of data. And so 60% of our revenue really comes from non-credit data. So very, very diverse uh, again, data and analytics uh, firm. And so then to boil it down from there, you know, what what does Equifax provide to the to the overall housing industry and the mortgage specifically in that, right? Or multiple assets, right? Is the traditional credit bureaus we talked about, we'll deeper dive there. Our workforce solutions data, our employment and income data, largest uh, one in the U.S. and actually largest one globally around that. We provide that that uh, trusted third-party verification of those assets. And then we have other analytics, other fraud tools, 
Uh, we support the capital markets with a lot of uh, data analysis and then agencies and uh, housing policymakers on that side and some other fraud tools that really make up what we bring to, to the industry overall. And then if you boil that piece down, they're really talking about, okay, well, how does the credit component really uh, play within the, the the overall housing industry and mortgage specifically is um, that trusted credit data and 250 million uh, households or uh, consumers, excuse me, in the overall credit database. And then we, and I know we'll kind of work our way through uh, this also is other data that is is on top of that credit uh, data like our uh, telco uh, data exchange uh, that we're very excited about bringing into the industry. But if we talk about that credit, you know, piece of it, and again, us being steward, trusted stewards of the data, and then trusted stewards out to regulators, the Wall Street, uh, Main Street, obviously all the financial institutions. Uh, we've been doing that for for again a hundred years from from a data standpoint. And you know, the first Trimers report came out you know, almost thirty years ago. You know, again, leveraging all three bureaus, and we've been at that intersection, you know, ever ever since. And so, as we look how we partner with the industry, right? We're partnering with Wall Street, again, Main Street, technology partners, and I'm hoping we can kind of get to talking about that piece too. Um, and then data and analytics firms to to leverage this data and the, the analytics that we have internally to manage risk uh, and then open up as many doors as we can as the policymakers are making those, um, those risk policy decisions and credit boxes that we all operate in. And you recently announced that you're the first to provide certain telecommunications, pay TV, and utilities attributes to the mortgage industry to help streamline the mortgage underwriting process and support loans within the secondary mortgage market. What's that mean for the mortgage industry as a whole? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, if you look, Robbie, if you look at our charter, right, it's, you know, helping people live their financial best, right, and then helping the industries that do that piece, right, and creating liquidity, uh, safety, soundness, and then the ability for homeownership, right? And it's such a such a fantastic charter that our industry has and that Equifax plays with. Well, as part of that piece, and, and really, you know, we know that homeownership is, you know, foundational step in, in achieving the American dream and, and really, really building, building wealth, right? All the studies have been done around this. We're always looking at differentiated data, alternative data, other data that's outside of what we're already contributing or others are contributing to the industry for that, that risk assessment. And one is our telco and utilities pay TV exchange that we've been managing for over um, 25 years uh, with contributors of over 160 contributors uh, that, that all pour into this database. And it's been used in a lot of different uh, lending areas and other risk assessment uh, besides the mortgage industry. So my team and I, we've had this really thought around how do we bring this data uh, in an easy to digest format that, again, the agency policymakers and Wall Street can really digest to make risk assessments, open up doors again, and so, so that our financial institutions can use it in, in decision-making. So as, as we talked about where we are in the epicenter between technology and data, we really work with some of those agencies to analyze the data. We did our internal analysis and then work with those other um, influencers and analytics firms to kind of, to kind of work through what are the most predictive attributes in that database. And, and the really cool thing uh, about this, Robbie, is there's 191 million consumers 
that are in the telco, and we call it the telco exchange, but again, telco utilities and pay TV. And then there's an overlap of almost 80% of those consumers with credit data. So again, we're porting out the credit data on every mortgage loan, right, through the Tri-Bureau ecosystem, single file, dual file, and, and Tri-Bureau all the way through. Then how do we get this data out easily for it to be digested to, to make it a more automated process? So we take out the, the human friction or the human bias of doing this manually, because we know the industry for a while, if you have a thin file or, or, or no, no real credit file, you can go through alternative ways to look at payment data and, and prove out uh, good payment history. But we all know as we get it into the process flow, the underrated, under, um, underwriting engines or those manual processes from third-party data, especially data at rest, that's what we call all of it in our databases, um, that it makes it much easier. And you know, you get more swings at bat, more opportunities for folks to be considered for a loan. So it's been a long process um, to, again, study the data, work with as we're the data stewards of this data, and then work with the industry to really think about this. And we're very excited about bringing it to the industry in Q1 of next year, and it will be delivered every time that is available with the existing credit file uh, that uh, that the industry is already used to. And, and we were very, very cognizant around trying to make uh, the data, again, the data attributes are the most predictive ones and make it a real light data load and easy to understand for either the analytical models to digest or the human readable, right, an underwriter to really look at it and use it for positive for the positive purposes. And that's another thing around the data. The data is specifically, um, is specifically uh, can only be used for positive. So an additional look to fill out that credit, to fill out that overall credit uh, profile. And so it's, a, it's an exciting time for us, exciting time for the industry. And we're really looking forward to partner with the industry to what I call live into the data. We've not figured out every single use case. We know a lot of them are around risk assessment, risk-based pricing, uh, and other things like that, but really to open up opportunities for uh, underserved markets and to better assess risk for even folks that have a quote-unquote thick credit file. When that comes to the industry in the first quarter, how will these attributes help consumers in their pursuit of home ownership? Yeah, so... So it's not built into a score. We know that the mortgage industry uses scores in various areas, but we know the most of the underwriting engines are utilizing the raw attributes. Again, back to that, and that's specifically why we built this, uh, that uh, those systems can, can, uh, can look for the data and look for the positive aspects of it. But what it really do, Robbie, is for those that have a either a credit file that has such few trade lines that it can't even be scored, right? Uh, or it can't even it can be used, but it isn't enough trade lines or enough payment history to make a full underwriting decision. It gives other payment uh, payment uh, within these types of of, um, uh, of payments, right? The, the the utility data and the and the telco data. Um, it allows to show that positive payment for somebody that is just building credit, um, you know, right out of the gate. If you think about it, first-time home buyers can be really, really benefit around this, and then other other folks that are just establishing credit as uh, they're either young or or they're uh, they're just new to the financial system within the U.S. And why is this initiative so important for Equipac? 
Well, going back to our charter overall, right, is again to help people live their financial best. And so if you look at our over, overall business model, um, you know, globally and definitely here in the US is we are the trusted steward of the data. So we have a corporate responsibility, a social responsibility, right, to obviously administer that data and steward that data and then bring that data in an easy way for industries to utilize to make to make good decisions. And so that's why it's important for us to do that. That's part of our charter. And then, of course, it's very important to us, obviously, to support an industry that has such a special charter uh, like um, the mortgage industry. You are the SVP and GM of Equifax Mortgage and Housing. What does the mortgage and housing department look like at Equifax? How you're structured, how you go to market, what what uh, initiatives are, are going on there? Yeah, so so we play in an interesting an interesting place um, in, in the mortgage industry, right? We are a bureau to the industry. Uh, I leverage incredible partners in the industry, and there's a long, a long list of those. We are dual distribution, so we have a direct sales team that that deals directly with financial institutions. I have a great, great division of our reseller uh, partners that bring our products uh, to the to the industry, and then have a a division that really works with Wall Street in in Washington D.C. to to really um, work through policy pieces and the digestion of our data to to help assess that risk. So that's how that's how we go to market there. And across again, it's across multiple data assets, like we talked about before: the credit data, the employment data, our property uh, data analytics uh, data, and other uh, products that we have on Wall Street. So it's very important to the industry, right? But we built off, you know, a credit-based uh, business many years ago uh, to to really be much more diversified within the overall. Um, mortgage industry. We also play uh, in the rental side of the business too, and we didn't really get to talk about that yet, but we are working with obviously the GSEs and other policymakers to help get the rental industry to start really uh, providing that data into the bureaus and other entities to allow that also for home ownership uh, decisions, right, as we're migrating from renters to, uh, to homeowners. Equifax is integral in the mortgage underwriting process. I think if my friends were to be able to ask you a question, it would be something like, how do they better present themselves as a borrower, uh, maybe through Equifax? Like, how, what can they do to be the best borrower possible? I know that's kind of a, a question you'd hear on the street, not in a uh, formal interview, but I think that's what my friends would ask. Yeah, I mean, I th- you know, it's, it's, kind of a, <clears throat> it's kind of a general statement, but it's the most important statement. It's, it's the wise use of, of credit. Right. And uh, utilizing that credit in in appropriate ways, don't get overextended and make your make your payments on time. Right. You know, a lot of people ask, well, how many how many credit cards should I have open? Should I have this? Should I have that? Right. And they're really kind of thinking about how this different scoring companies on top will will look at those different things. You know, just kind of back it down, you know, utilize credit when it's smart, uh, utilize the credit in the right places, uh, those things, and then then obviously make sure that you're you're taking care of your your timely payments with uh, whatever liabilities or credit that um, you're uh, utilizing. Fantastic. And finally, what's on the horizon for Equifax? I know they're rolling uh, out this this telco and pay TV thing next year, but uh, what what else are y'all working on? 
Well, we're constantly looking at, you know, the next one, right? This one, you know, and the industry doesn't move real fast, right? So this one was was uh, quite an investment in time. And again, we have to live into the data and all the use cases. And I really, really stress that piece is we're not telling the industry how it should be used. We have our hypothesis on what we've done from our studies and what our partners have really looked at. But we really look, we really look forward to, again, um, leveraging the data to the maximum amount. And then, Robbie, we're always looking at and you even, you even look at uh, how Equifax has expanded through acquisition and through partners, other data sets, right? Other data sets that we can utilize with credit, with the employment data, with this telco data, with other data exchanges we have. We are constantly diversifying our business and then really looking in those areas to combine that data and work with other partners to combine that data together to ultimately make you know better decisions and really promote uh, liquidity. So that's always that's always you know near and dear every day right around our our charter to really make better decisions with the data we currently have and the data that we uh we will strive to uh to uh, partner with or acquire awesome craig appreciate you making the time for me i really enjoyed that robbie it was great great to meet you and congratulations on your new home By the time the dust settled Wednesday, the FOMC, in a unanimous decision, had delivered its widely expected four straight 75 basis point hike, taking the Fed funds rate range further into restrictive territory at 3.75% to 4%, the highest range since before the 2008 financial crisis. The dovish statement added the possibility of smaller hikes going forward, as the FOMC considers the cumulative degree of tightening and the lags inherent monetary policy changes. Chair Powell indicated in his press conference, however, that the FOMC is probably not done hiking rates, and the committee is not even thinking about pausing hikes just yet. The question now becomes, when will the Fed pivot and indicate a pause, or at least significantly reduce its pace of increases? Expectations are favoring a 50 basis point hike at the December meeting. Following yesterday's FOMC events, today sees the latest decisions from Norge's Bank, Central Bank of Norway, and... The Bank of England, which raised rates 0.75%, same as our Federal Reserve. Here in the States, the domestic calendar is underway with labor market indicators in the form of challenger layoffs for October, which showed the highest job cuts since February 2021. We've also received weekly jobless claims, which came down 1,000 to 217,000, with continuing claims in at 1.45 million. And we've also received international trade, down 73.3 billion, and Q3 productivity and unit labor costs, which were up 0.3% and 3.5% respectively. Later this morning brings the final October S&P Global Services PMI, ISM Non-Manufacturing PMI, September Factory Orders, and Freddie Mac's Primary Mortgage Market Survey. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse a quarter, and the 10-year yielding 4.18 after closing yesterday at 4.06% on the perception the higher rates are definitely ahead. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. What's an architect? Someone who is neither macho enough to become an engineer nor <laughs> gay enough to become a designer. I don't know if I can say that. What's a banker? Someone who lends you his umbrella when the sun is shining and takes it back when it starts to rain. What's a consultant? Someone who uses your watch tells you the time, and then charges you for it. And finally, what's a pessimist? Well, obviously it's an optimist with experience. <laughs> Thanks again to Richie May.
a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more, visit richiemay.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.